You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. For the 55th year and the 54th season, the puck has dropped for L.A. Kings hockey. And like most of those seasons, we've already gone through a gamut of emotions. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? Up and down, buddy. Up and down, just like the team. Oh, you don't say. (laughs) Hey, welcome back, first and foremost. Thank you. In case everyone's wondering why this episode is... uh, a few more games into the season than you would think compared to other podcasts. It's because my friend here was out in the middle of the desert, far away from this madness that started the season. Some yeah, amazing pictures, in, friend. Thank you. I was in Egypt and Morocco a week apiece. No service when I was in the Sahara Desert. Had no idea what was going on with the Kings. Probably for the best because it was the first two games. They did not go well. But yeah, a good reset. But it was nice to to come back and immediately jump into winning hockey. They were waiting for me to go on that winning streak. <laughs> were they um, waiting for you to let you down? I don't want to talk about that, that just well? yet. All right, oh, cool. We, we will we will cool, speak cool, of it cool, shortly. Cool. But yeah, missed the Vegas game, missed the Seattle game. Came back just in time, uh, I think, to see the Detroit game. I wasn't back yet for the Minnesota game, but yeah, man, it was a great trip. Highly recommended to everybody um but as i mentioned this is not an egypt and morocco podcast this is a king's podcast so much to I talk mean, they about had kings in egypt they were they did you know and i, and I visited their pharaohs i believe they were called bit. yeah saw many kings <laughs> but let's talk about the kings of los angeles okay you got it you got it three four and oh on the season fifth in the pacific not great reminiscent of last season in the sense of streaks two three and two are the streaks the kings went on bookended by losing streaks i guess if you call a two game two game or a losing streak um a lot of inconsistency i think is the first thing i'm seeing and if i had to boil it down to one thing i just have no clue what this team is trying to do right now a complete lack of identity and that's kind of really frustrating me right now because you would think in a season where they're expected to take a step forward it would be building on an identity that worked and it has just not happened thus far yeah yeah and and, you know you bring up a good point that last season didn't start very well either I mean we were we came out the gate flying we beat Vegas handedly last season what did Kopi have five points in that first game including a hat trick and and we were we had visions of like, oh man, what is this team? What is this going to be? What is this offense? Where is this coming from? And then I think we lost six straight or something. Your memory is better with these things than I am. But I, that's about right. It could have been it six. Felt like six. I don't know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, but it was another. I think the first month or so was going on these streaks, winning streaks, losing streaks. They kind of finally found a balance in what they're doing. I, I'm more upset about it this season because. Expectations. Again, expectations. You go out and you sign a guy like Fiala to a monster contract to add to all the pieces you have. The identity in my mind should, at least in theory, be in place, and you're just adding someone uh, that's going to improve on it or add to it. And it just, I don't know, it hasn't happened yet, in my opinion. I understand getting new players or player for the most part in this case, and it takes time to gel, but. That's just one line and one player. I think 
the issues I'm seeing that are most concerning are in the defensive zone in the area where the Kings were probably the most solid last season. Yeah. Should we, should we kind of good, bad, and the ugly it real quick? Sure. Good, bad, and the ugly. New segment. Already good. (laughs) I mean, we've done, we've done whole episodes like that, but, but that's, that's a good way of doing it. Uh, The good, the offense has been there. Maybe not consistently from one line to the next. Like you mentioned, the first line you would expect to see or hope to see a little more consistent uh, production, so to speak. But Kempe has scored, you know, a fair number of goals. Uh, Kopitar's points are there for what they're worth. Fiala certainly has shown flashes of of what he's capable of, but certainly the you know the consistent game to game threat that you'd be hoping to see for a guy like that for what you're paying him and his line mates um uh, it, it hasn't been there especially the last last two games in particular i would say um but gabriel velardi has come out and been a house on fire playing like a completely different player never in doubt not one i mean who, who us no yeah if you just skip I the mean, last eight episodes i know i know but that was out of love though that was that was purely it wasn't we were very sad to say those words exactly it wasn't it wasn't a matter of like he sucks trade this you know like it was never it was never that discussion of like what a waste of a pick or any of that stuff it was mostly just like Man, he's so much better than this. We've yeah. seen him be better than this. Like, how can we get him back to who we know he can be? It was, it was, it was like a a longing, if you will, for the Gabriel Velarde we knew that he could be. And I think even towards the end of last season, uh, the game against Seattle, I think, was the last one of the regular season where he had a goal or or two goals or something like that. You saw him play a little bit like this, but. To see him come in, start the season very much the same way as he did the preseason, just establishing his game, not not just passively waiting for the chances to come to him, like setting up the chances, which I think has made Quinton Byfield, his line mate, also a better player as a result. Um, sad that Alex Iafalo seems to be hurt now, um, what appears to be a reasonable long-term injury at least a few weeks because he got placed on LTIR uh, because I think that line was, was going yeah, along. Yeah, they were humming for sure. They were great, they, man. They were, the, they were great consistently night. the best line yeah. to game for the team, I think. Without and and I, I think losing Ayafalo actually in my mind has, has dropped them off a little bit. I think, you know, again, he's a name that we've thrown around a lot of times as like – Trade bait one? Yeah, but again, it, it wasn't. We've mentioned this several times. It's not because we feel like you don't need an eye follow or that he's not a valuable player. It's just become like he would be the obvious piece for a few reasons. But clearly, he's a valuable player. Clearly, his defensive play on that line, his ability to generate scoring chances, dig the puck, you know, worked really, really well with the two other guys on that line. And I think it's taken a step back as they try to find who that third member of that of that line is going to be now with, with Byfield and Velarde. Um, they've tried Kaliev. I think they tried Grunstrom at one point. Yep. Those it's, are the two it's, games. Yeah. It's just, it's just not quite the same. Um, 
but otherwise, I think that's a great start. I think the the second line, Dano's line, had a, had a really solid game in Washington. It's nice to see Arvidsson kind of bouncing back over after that, uh, you know, quite frankly, embarrassing empty net moment in Detroit. Not I quite think game the is... uh, Patrick Stefan moment, but no, not no. too far away yeah. either. That was just a great play by by Dylan Larkin. It was. You got you to credit him for that. But you could see him on the bench, yeah, how pissed off he was at himself for not just shooting that puck for right being too cute and maybe too cute is a theme too for this team so maybe at times too so uh you mentioned that third line i i think i'm ready to see jared anderson dolan there Mm -hmm. i would like to see i i feel like if there is a player where you could point to him and be like okay this is as close to alex iafalo as you're probably going to find the roster i think he's the guy it's a good one yeah it's a good pick i like that i think skill wise effort wise just the way they play the game, I think it's a natural fit. The other two, you know, Carl Grundstrom is, I guess, closer than Kaliev, but I think Grundstrom is also a meat and potatoes kind of player, strictly, mm-hmm. and and doesn't have quite the skill that Alex Iafalo does. So I'm ready to see Jad in that place, and I just would love to see what he can do. I think I think he would do well, and he would be my pick to go there. Uh, you mentioned That's the, a good pick. You mentioned scoring. Is working. Kings are fifth in goals for in the NHL. So the stats bear out there. Unfortunately, they're also dead last <laughs> or first, however you want to look at it. Right. In goals against. Um, I mind you, there's some allowed... teams who've, who've played more games than them. So that's that's not even like, I mean, it's a little bit of a function of games played, but there's seem, there's like San Jose's played eight games and they have. And they have uh, eight less goals allowed than the Kings do. Yeah, Anaheim at 28. I'm going now bottom to top, I guess. Not all the way, but LA 31, Anaheim 28, Columbus 27, Seattle 27. Minnesota, who has been struggling, have also allowed 27. So this isn't a recipe that's going to work, obviously. Um, goaltending for the Kings has been shaky. I think both guys have been, uh, I don't know what the word is, inconsistent gaps in their game uh, for all the shit that's shoveled on Cal Peterson, most of it deservedly so. I think Jonathan Quick has been, outside of a few spectacular stops, has also been wildly inconsistent. So there's a lot of problems here. I shouldn't say problems. There's a lot of things to clean up for the team. Mm-hmm. But I think number one is, is just in the D zone, first and foremost. You know, a lot of the goals the Kings have allowed, yes, you could pin on the goaltender, but the errors that occur before the puck goes in the net are egregious most of the time. You know, I, I remember that one that Cal allowed. I want to say can't remember which game it was, to be honest with you, but the one where he sprawled out a net and the uh, – I can't remember the opponent, but they centered in front of the net and it was a tap-in goal. Was it, it was Pittsburgh? A, it was not – I don't remember it being Pittsburgh. I mean, it could have been. Because there was a one of, um, of Pittsburgh where uh, Gensel got it, I think, right in front of – in the crease. Cal tried to cut off the angle going to the left post and the pass came from almost under the goal line. That's probably – To Gensel, who was in the crease. 
and Gensel had two guys on him, but none of them were locking up yes, a stick. So that's the one. That's the <laughs> one. And it's things like that that drive me crazy. Because yes, you could you could pin it on the goaltender and it's an overplay, all that stuff. But you got your you got your opponent outnumbered in the crease, and you can't lose that battle. And the Kings are losing battles right now in front of the net at an alarming rate. Yeah, that Pittsburgh game was just awful, man. It was it was it was just an awful, awful performance. Honestly, if it hadn't been for the Seattle performance earlier in the season, I would say that actually actually this was worse than the Seattle performance, but they, they just didn't even show up for the Seattle one. This one they just looked like they could not string together two passes. Positioning was way off. They and were absolutely controlling play. In the first period. The, the first were, 10 minutes, yes. The first 10 minutes. And even after Pittsburgh scored, there was a nice stretch of time where the Kings were controlling. But it just got away from them. It, it, it's it's tough because it's at the end of a road trip. Tired legs, all that stuff. Those things are real. But at the same third time... Third game in four nights. Third game in four nights. But at the same time, I mean, six to one. It's it's rough, and then they roll into Washington, and they play a very steady, low event first period, and a part of you's thinking, okay, well, this is kind of what we're used to. This is more along the lines of what we want. Second period, they're up to nothing, and a complete collapse in the third. Again, third period of a long road trip, you could pin it on weak legs you could put it on being tired and it's probably true i think mental fatigue physical fatigue probably set in at that moment but you got to find a way to win and close it out and it would have been a four yeah. and one road trip and instead you go three and two and you you have a losing record on the season or at least like you know so all the goals came within the third period and first five minutes yeah it was three. one of them was kind of a broken play kind of sticks around and a shot got well placed fine the second one was carlson's goal i think was just like it was a point point blank shot and it looked like it went right through quick's glove like i mean it was it was not a high scoring chance it was a shot on net and should have been stopped um and then they get it back they they tie it at 3-3 with a great two-on-one effort with Ayafalo and Arvidsson, only to turn around and have just a weak wraparound attempt, go off Brent Clark's skate and go in. And it's just, it's the same stuff, man. It's like entry. They were just playing so soft. They were playing so soft in the third. They were allowing those chances. They were allowing those shots from high percentage areas. And when you do that, especially if the team is not playing well and the goaltending is not lights out, Hucks are going to go in, and that's exactly what happened. The third goal was a horrible change. It was it was like a again a confluence of bad events. I think Lazat's stick broke, or his helmet came off, and he had to go off. And Washington saw it happen, so they fed Eller unmarked. It's just you know how these things go. Like it's a combination of bad luck, it's a combination of errors, and when you're not playing well, the detail is not there. Um. The Kings, again, they have not had a game yet where they've allowed less than three goals against. Yeah. And, and that was, I was about to say, like, it's not the record for me, 
even in the wins, it just hasn't felt comfortable at all. I think every win they've had so far, they've had to either erase deficits, play into some kind of barn burner, like, you know, the they had to erase a two-goal lead against Nashville. I think they were down against Detroit. And it's not a sustainable formula. And I think the most frustrating aspect of it is that, yes, they're gutsy wins, and and I commend them for coming back in these games, but better teams are going to bury you. And I think that's exactly what happened in Pittsburgh. You can get away with the Nashvilles of the world and the Detroits of the world, and Minnesota's just struggling right now and couldn't get a save out of Flurry. The goals Flurry allowed in that game were embarrassing. Let's be honest, and he's unlikely to uh, have many games like that. So the the wins haven't felt as good as they should, and that's the most concerning thing for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It just it hasn't. It's like it's like you mentioned at the top of the show. It's the identity is not there. The consistency is not there. This is not the type of game that they want to be playing. They are not a run and gun score seven goals, allow five goals kind of team. We know this is not them. And and I want to attribute some of that to just early season feeling things out, etc. Again, I don't want to panic in any way because I remember this time last year, we were having this whole existential, you know, what is wrong with them? What needs to change? What ne- and, and something eventually did click towards end of December, early January which at that time was the shuffling of Trevor Moore onto the second line. But now, you know, so I I don't know what it's going to take again to clear this up. Certainly the goaltending needs to get better from both of those guys. I think there's, there's at least one goal, usually two each game that either one, it doesn't matter which guy is playing, shouldn't go in, in my opinion. Um, Cal needs to find a way to get back to being the technically sound minimal movement goaltender that he has been two seasons ago. He's, he's just not showing that kind of game. And certainly I don't think he's happy about his game. Um, a lot of people want to talk about like, Oh, he's got $5 million coming. He's got his payday. And it's like, dude, he's not happy about the way he's playing. He's not, he's not, you know, you mentioned this to me. It's not like he's sitting on the bench after he gets pulled from a game and going, oh, well, let's just check what the old bank account looks like. Right. You know, that's not, that's not making him feel better in any way. Um, the defense, personally, the one thing that I've noticed, um, the net mouth coverage Absolutely. of guys. It, it's just not there. It's, you know, I, I remember fondly the days of like the Willie Mitchells and the Matt Greens where you would – you wouldn't dare park yourself in front of the net. If you look at a lot of these goals that are coming, they're all coming from like three to four feet in front of quick because there's no risk to these guys coming to the front of the net. Their sticks are not getting locked up like the Gensel goal. Um, and even when they're not clean shots, they're all just like getting deflected or or like Brandon Tanev had this goal in the second game against Seattle where it was like, he spun away from Kempe around the corner and it wasn't even really a shot. It was like a stupid pass and it went off of Anderson's stick or something. It went top shelf on quick. And it was like, well, the problem here is that Brandon Tanev is being allowed to come out 
in front of the net and even take that shot in the first place. You know, like bad things are going to happen. And yeah, you could say, oh, it's a fluke, it's this, that, but it's, it's eliminating the chance before it starts. That is missing from the game right now. And I think a lot of it is because the defense is playing a little too soft and hoping to kind of stick check things away instead of eliminating the chance from starting in the first place, making it uh, unpalatable for the other players to come in front of the net and try to make those chances happen in the first place. And you're seeing that on the PK too. All the goals that are coming on the PK are like the guy in the net front is tipping or screening or doing something because there's there's no attention being paid to to clearing out the front of the net and help, helping the goaltender out. Yeah, in the Seattle game, I think there was three goals that came from the exact same right. spot. Right. <laughs> the left of quick uh, near the crease. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple again in the Washington game right off the top of my head. I can't even remember all six goals allowed against Minnesota, but I'm sure similar Pittsburgh, similar. Um, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely what you say has merit because the proof is in the pudding. So there, I don't know. I, I'm not too, I know I've just said for the last 10 minutes or so how concerned I am, but big picture, I'm less concerned about the defense than I am of the goaltending at this point, mm-hmm. because as outstanding as quick was last season, father time is undefeated. And at some point he's going to win again. And so my concern really is like Cal Peterson, is he going to be able to find some kind of rhythm and play a string of games, put together a string of games that can build confidence within himself and build confidence in the organization that they can move forward with this guy, because this is, this is kind of it, I think. And I know we said that a lot about players and we said it about Velarde before the season and he's, he's obviously done something about it. So the goaltending is my biggest concern. I think def- defensively speaking, they'll figure it out. Like there's a lot of shitting on Sean Dersey, but I'm just like, that's who he, like, this is not surprising. This is exactly who that guy is. And you're going to have to take the good with the bad with a player like that. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I accept that. I mean, uh, you know, the boneheaded plays, the the last second stretch passes unnecessarily that led to overtime. I forget against who no, that it was. was the Vegas now. game winner. There you go. There you go. That's right. That's right. That's right. Under a minute left. Yeah. So, I mean, look, those things are going to happen. Over the course of a season, they're going to happen, but he's going to make up for it by scoring a goal here and there. You know, like it's I would like, you like said, to he... say just before you continue about that Vegas yeah. stretch, like I also don't understand the breakout there. I know they've worked yeah. on it, and <laughs> you I know, mentioned that. Yeah, like I don't understand stretching the ice with two wingers, and right. Matt Roy is standing still, and the nose doing like this spinny thing, and then. Everyone's like, God damn it, Sean Dersey, why'd you stretch the ice? <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. Well, um, he only stretched it as far as his wingers went, right? Like, he can't give a pass if the winger yeah, isn't sure. at the opposite blue line. <laughs> I understand the, the right play is probably to go to Deneau there and slowly gain the red and, and chip it in, but I don't know. It's a stretch play. Like it, It's like a stretch breakout. So and, and those wingers aren't just standing there, by the way. They're working to get open. Right, they're in motion. It's not like they're just standing there, and and when Dursey passes it, the winger's like, "Bro, what are you doing?" No, like, that's what I mean. That's yeah, what I mean. Like yeah. he's he's reading the ice, and he's going, "Well, 
it's not like we call the play here or the coach is yelling anything saying like, just hold it, get to overtime or like everyone regroup in the zone. If he's looking up and he sees his wingers are that far out, then that means that's at least some form of an option on the play. Right. And they're trying to elude defenders. Right. So anyway, uh, carry on. You probably forgot what you were even saying. No, I mean, that's, that's just, it's, it's just, I, I accept Sean Dursey for what he is. I accept that there's going to be moments like that. And I accept there's going to be moments like in the Capitals game where he made a great read and he, and he moves in and, you know, scores a goal off a pass, you know, with a perfectly timed pass from Arvidsson. You're not going to get that from Mikey Anderson. I would say that prior to the season, you weren't going to get that from Matt Roy, but apparently he's a goal scoring machine now. So I don't know anything. Um, I, I guess I'm, I understand the value of a Sean Dursey. I understand the value of a lot of this guy, a lot of the guys on this team, but it's just some element of the defense needs to get a little tougher to play against. I feel like they're really, really soft right now. And I'm not saying like Brendan Lemieux, dumb shit punches to the head after the whistle, tough to play against. I'm talking like clean hits, harassing in front of the net, making it difficult for someone to feel comfortable going there. I look at the Kings every game. I watch that net, net, net front, the, mouth, the net mouth, and it just looks like the most comfortable place to be if you're an offensive player. You're a winger, you just slide right in there, baby, and you wait for that shot to come because the rebound's going to be there for you to pick up. They're going to try to stick lift you. They're not going to muscle you off the puck because the guys who are going to play you in front of the net aren't big enough to muscle most of these players off the puck. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I think they're... I don't know how you change that with the personnel you have. I mean, Mikey Anderson loves to hit, which is great. Um, but I agree with you. There's got to be a little bit of meanness. I think that's mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for here. Just a little bit of sandpaper. Just give guys something to think about when they enter the zone, get in front of the net, what have you. Um, so yeah. agreed there. I also would like to see a left shot defenseman at this point because I've seen three or four instances <laughs> Where God bless his heart, Mikey Anderson gets it on the left side wide open and just I don't even know, just <laughs> just flings it wide or can't get it through, or there was even an instant where he you know, he should have walked in and shot and he just kind of like, I'm not shooting this puck. There is just no way. Yeah, I mean, we've historically the dreams of like a Jake Chickren have, have floated through the through the air for everyone, but I'm honestly, I don't even want a Jake Chickren anymore. I want like just a solid defensive 6-3 left shot defenseman. That's all I really want. A guy who can get it out of our zone and, and headman it to the forwards. I don't need him to dance. I don't need him to be able to do anything more fancy than that. Yeah, it's a situational thing for me. There's just been a few situations where I've seen the value of a left shot D in the offensive zone. Um, defensive zone has been less urgent, I guess, less urgent need. But again, you know, anytime you have a left defenseman playing the left side in the defensive zone, it's going to be easier on their forehand to make plays, to get rid mm-hmm. of the puck, to, make, to be stronger on the puck, to not go against the grain. So I'm, I'm a little more on board <laughs> with the left-handed D movement of the last two seasons. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, they sent down uh, Jacob Mulvereri 
I believe. Mm-hmm. And I, and I yeah, thought they... for sure he would get a game after disastrous defensive star for the Kings, but hasn't quite happened. And now he's... there's, there's some thought that that's just like a paper transaction might be um, to, to kind of maximize the, the LTIR cap space by bringing Wagner up and then they'll, they'll send him back down after a couple of days or something. I don't know, but, but it's, the point remains, it's like, there's a lot of stuff that's still a little unclear. Um, I guess if there is a bright side to all this, is that despite everything that we're talking about, the record is three and four. So far, the Pacific has really been pretty average overall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to... Uh, Nothing special. Yeah, to 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 quote Walter from... Uh, the big Lebowski, nothing is fucked here, dude. There's still plenty of time. And, uh, you know, Vegas, Calgary, they're playing well, certainly. Um, but Edmonton's three and three and they're in third place right now. So, so there's plenty of time to kind of clean this up. And you could, I mean, you could be Vancouver, man. Vancouver is like in a, in a total tailspin right now. They have, you know, they're throwing. They're already throwing jerseys on the ice and stuff. <laughs> they're all four and two. They've blown multiple, multi-goal leads. So, in comparison to that, things are definitely not that bad. But you know, expectations were unfortunately higher this season. I think. Unfortunately is an interesting word to use. There. <laughs> it's just more comfortable when you don't have expectations. <laughs> of course, you're always pleased. Does. Sure, but you, you know every Jesse, Jesse likes to say that all the time. <laughs> sure, but you you strive to get to a point where you expect to do things. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of um, course. We'll see what happens. Kings are coming back home with a very easy schedule of Tampa Bay, Winnipeg, and Toronto. What can go wrong? Nothing. But you know what? That's that's another bright side. This is actually one of the tougher stretches in their schedule. They're they're kind of starting with some heavy hitter teams and so when you look at some of like the playoff projection stats and stuff they're not losing that much ground in terms of playoff projections and i I granted we're like eight games in i'm talking about this but the reasoning is that the strength of schedule ends up being a little bit softer later on this is they're playing some of the tougher teams right now i guess is what i'm saying i mean november is not going to be a picnic for the kings dallas is on fire uh peter DeBoer doing good things over there Right. Told you, first season Peter DeBoer. They're going to be great. Then <laughs> Florida, Minnesota, Detroit's a good team all of a sudden. Calgary, Edmonton, Rangers. We need more San Jose. That's what the Kings need right now. Just That's what I'm saying. Although we you know, perennially play terrible against San Jose too. But some Anaheims, a couple of Vancouver's here and there, some Arizona's will do us some good, I think. You know, Montreal, Montreal's okay all of a sudden. Oh, they'll come, they'll come crashing down. <laughs> that's my belief. Just like Philly. Philly's going to, I mean. Oh, dude, Philly's, Philly's playing way Philly, above their head right now. But like. <laughs> yeah. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Carter Hart is, is playing very well right now, which is good for him. Islanders at the bottom of that division. I know this hurts you deeply. No, no. It hurts my <laughs> predictions. <laughs> yes. But personally, I'll be okay, I think. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo. 
Yeah, Buffalo good playing Buffalo real well. Buffalo no man. longer a doormat. No. They are showing up to play every game. So that's happening. Yep. And the Kings will have them, I think, what, November, December? I can't remember. It's usually usually like before the turn of the new year. They get all those East Coast teams and stuff. But yeah, it's it's look, could it have been a better start to the season? Sure. That Washington game winning that, and I think the tone of this podcast would be very different. <laughs> well, I'm serious. Like Oh yeah, you, of course. It's it's absolutely man. You're talking about a four and one road trip. Right. And things are looking great all of a sudden, especially if they won the way they were about to win or on their way to win. Yeah. With yeah. a two nothing going into the third and just lock it down, maybe allow one, get an empty netter, three one solid road game. Of course. There's a lot of situations, like, even if they went three and two on this trip, but the wins were later, you still feel a little better about it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a turnaround thing. Um, so, could be a lot worse, but we expect better, as you mentioned. Yeah. Should we talk about some stuff that did please us? How about those reverse retro 2.0 jerseys? Yeah, man. I mean, Christ. Talk about a home run. <laughs> out of the park absolutely stunning yeah probably the best looking i mean I, we, we have to see them first right we haven't seen the uniform we've seen the jersey sure sure but i've seen but it in my dream uniform is gonna gonna make it worse no, you know what no. i mean like, i've seen it in my dream several times already and uh that's that might be the best king's jersey ever designed and it, it's I, not i certainly think so and it's not even a like, I don't even know if it's like, good job designers, you know, because all they really did is just put it in MS Paint and just fix some of the colors, essentially, of a jersey that already existed. But it's one of those jerseys where you are you can't believe it hasn't happened till now. It, it's mm-hmm. absolutely baffling that it hasn't <laughs> happened. It's like that Montreal reverse retro from last year, mm-hmm. the blue one with the red stripe. You're like, how has this not happened in my hundred and I don't know, God knows how many years of Canadians hockey? It's the same thing with this jersey. It's like, why is it happening in year 55? <laughs> like, they've just been sitting there. Right. Uh, they're, they're beautiful. I think it's the best reverse retro. And it's not even close, in my opinion. Last year, you had debates. I thought Quebec's jersey, or, sorry, the Colorado jersey <laughs> was was probably a little nicer than the Kings one. Or, you know, 1A, 1B. But this year, mm-hmm. I, it's not even, my God, it's not even a contest. Nicest I mean, reverse I'm, retro. I agree. <laughs> gonna... Why don't you just say yes all the time when I speak? I just, yes. <laughs> no, it's great, man. It's it's a great look. Um, it's going to look even better with with the full uniform, I think, with the pants shells and the gloves and everything kind of going along with it. I think it's just I've I've said it before. I'll say it again. Purple should always be part of this team's palette. I don't care if it's a a third, personally, I think it should be part of a primary, but that's fine. Um, yeah, all indications are primary is not happening. No, I, and that's okay. That's I listen, fine. Listen I get to that. a couple of interviews. Jesse did one with Luke, and I think yeah. Mayor did one with uh, Cheeseman. Well, yeah, Cheeseman, and they're both like, "No, nah, we're good." <laughs> we're and gonna, you know that's fine. All things ebb and it. flow. Yeah, all things ebb and flow. Um, but I, I do. 
I mentioned this on the Twitter feed as well. I really like that teams are not just going with just the jersey, you know, like their gloves, the pant shells, the all that stuff is, is it's part of the package this time around. I really I really appreciate that. And some of it, yeah, is a little is a little cheesy. Uh the Vegas one in particular, like, but I, I appreciate that. I enjoy the fact that because it, it's tastefully cheesy. Yeah. I think there is a big difference. Like there was a point in time where you went to Vegas and it wasn't all about like opulence and fountains and gold and marble. It was like, come look at our wizard man in the, in the <laughs> yeah. castle with his lights. My favorite you know? times. Yeah. Come dump, you know, $50 worth of quarters into the arcades playing Mortal Kombat. That's what that jersey makes me feel like, you know? is going to Vegas and sitting down and watching some night's tournament. That's right. And the bootleg eating, medieval times, baby. There you go. And eating like a leg of turkey or something. And it's fine. Like that's, yeah. that's part of Vegas too. You just own it. You know, are there any reverse retro jerseys that, that jumped out to you where you're like, okay, that's, that's nice. I like the Montreal one again. Yep. I kind of like that's the my baby second blue. favorite one. It's another it's... one where you're like, yeah, it works. And I can't believe it hasn't existed till now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Florida one is nice. I, I do enjoy that logo. I think it's, it's a very Florida logo, you know? Um, I kind of still like the Colorado one again. I, I just like the palette swap and the logo swap. It's, simple it's certainly not as good as the as the nordiques version of the jersey but it's it's a nice call back to the history of colorado yeah. hockey seattle seattle i like seattle I like a lot of too. people were, were giving that shit because of like it's stripes and it's this and it's that i'm like it's perfect it's a throwback it's exactly to it is it's a historical reference to seattle hockey just what are they supposed to do yeah <laughs> it's, it's the only retro they could do at this point so right right I, I, but I think literally all every other one is pretty underwhelming. Uh, in my opinion. All the, I think I, the Arizona oh no, I got, one. Yeah, there you go. That's the one I was gonna say. I was gonna say, except for the Arizona one. Yeah, which is cool. It's a cool I just, color. I, I love that. I love that color. It's yeah, such a unique agreed. color palette. I just, I think it looks good. I think the Minnesota one looks nice enough. Yeah. It's it's the same it's thing as okay. last year's. <laughs> Last year they had the white one. That that's all they did. Yeah, it was just that's true. That's true. Um, the Rangers one with the slightly brighter blue Lady Liberty. It's okay. Um, Been there, seen it. Washington just straight up brought back a retro. Right. <laughs> Screw it. Right. Uh, let me see. You know which one really a lot of people love, but it left me really disappointed. Because the best option was right there, Vancouver. I'm look. I get the whole Johnny Canuck what is, fascination. Hold on. A lot of people love this. Yes. Why, dude? I, because the idea of like a lumberjack skating is like some classic Canucks image that I guess I don't know. You know which one we wanted, baby. Dude, how is it not <laughs> the flying skate? How is it not the flying? That's v? not the one I wanted. The flying V is the one the I v. wanted. They, the so v. they brought back the skate in a in a third. It's been there. 
Dude, but, you bring back the skate, but you do it with the blue and the green this time around. Yeah, maybe, but I think the V was just come on, baby. It's right there. <laughs> it's right there. You do the V, you put the uh crests on the shoulders. Just it's so look, I'm not bland. disagreeing with you. So I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. So I think that would be bland. fine too. I think that would be fine too, but like this I'm just so tired of like cartoon lumberjack man yeah i'm not this johnny canuck stuff i'm over like like we've seen it a hundred times but i guess that's it yeah the san jose one left me a little disappointed it's it's, it's no fun it's no fun that's what you it gotta comes put down the weird to, right? steel logo thing somehow in there <laughs> did you say sharks in the font it feels like a missed opportunity yeah put a shark eating a seal something <laughs> just that's leaping very, very natural seal by the way in its very mouth i mean it's occurrence. national geographic on this yeah dallas stars come on babies what are uh, you doing they, they kill me they kill me i like the st louis one i'm gonna i'm gonna go on record and i'm gonna say i love the ridiculous cartoonishness of this giant yellow monstrosity i guess i enjoy the fonts i enjoy the disney-ish look of the whole thing <laughs> it's it's <laughs> that that's an old very old blues logo I know it wasn't even one that they yeah. actually wore, but I, I enjoy that it's bright and yellow and looks like it's something straight out of the 1970s. So the Nashville one, uh, is that just less mustardy than the actual yes. one? That's all yes. it is. Okay, just wanted yeah. to make sure I got that yeah, right. Yeah, it's just a different shade of yellow with the worst variation of their logo possible. Yeah, Oilers. Fine. <sighs> Dude, why not, not do a jersey with just the oil drop in a giant just a, crest? Just a big... Just a big-ass oil have drop. Have they actually ever used that, though? Like, that's never... Who cares? This has no <laughs> rules. Let's not act like this has any rules whatsoever, please. <laughs> okay? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, let's be honest. By the time it's like... Reverse Retro 5.0, it's just going to be Connor McDavid's face on the logo anyway. That's fine. All you right. know which one disappointed me also? Well, one last one. The Detroit one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Not because they went like stupid stripes and it just says Detroit. They could have done like the winged D. They have other logos. They have other variations in, the, in their logo history that could have been used and would have made an amazing logo. In my mind, I feel like they've done the D. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they haven't done the winged D. Actually, you might be right about that. I don't recall them doing. Maybe like I mean, they've been in so many, you know, outdoor games. Yeah, but I just and now now I'm gonna look it up on their logo on their on their history. But I feel like they could have done a great winged D logo thing. Yeah, they had an alternate in 0809 that was a red stripe with a white calligraphy D in the middle. Yeah. Um, but, but no wing. No wing. Gotcha. No wing. So anyway, anyway that's neither here nor yeah. there. It is what it is. It's Kings done. are the best. That's what we're trying to say. That's what, uh, that's what we've always said. This jersey is beautiful. To me, you are perfect, jersey. <laughs> and I hope they were holding a sign. Yeah. It's very, 
I hope they wear you more than the Love, five actually. times. <laughs> more than the five times that are listed. Yeah. Uh all right. What else should we talk about? I don't know. Any Brent other... Clark? What do you what are your thoughts on Brent okay. Clark? Yeah, Brent Clark. Um I think my overall analysis of him is that he's still playing like he was playing in junior, which mm-hmm. means I think he's still adjusting to the caliber of, of opponent he's playing against. I think I've seen him now multiple times make extra unnecessary either spins or pull-ups or holding the puck, uh, holding onto the puck like an extra second longer for no good reason other than I think in his mind, he's like, I'm just going to make the most perfect play possible mm-hmm. instead of the easy one. There was a play against Washington where he very astutely spun away from two four checkers and then just held onto the puck for three extra seconds afterwards when he had options. He brought it up the ice uh, in his own zone and just tried to make a difficult pass. He ended up having to make a difficult pass because he ignored kind of the easy options and was looking for maybe a Hail Mary play. Another play where he just goes up ice again from his own zone and he <laughs> four checkers waiting for him and he just pulled up right in front of him and the four checker was like I, it was one of those moments where he's like I don't know what to do because this has never <laughs> happened before <laughs> but not in like a good way not in like oh my god I'm so but, confused it was yeah like... but like also in a, not a, not in a terrible way either because if you can get an NHL player to do that I think <laughs> there's something to it right um, but that pull-up thing what frustrates me is that his his guys are are swinging for the for the breakout and when you pull mm-hmm. up you're you're breaking their momentum so i think there's a couple issues small things i think he he's going to learn real quick that you can't disrupt the flow of your team to show how amazing you are mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and i know that's a very crude way to put it and i know that's not what he's trying to do he's just trying to make the best play possible but he's got to learn that the best play possible sometimes is the simple one the easy one the one that's right in front of you and not something you're imagining in your head that might happen that's my only criticism with him i think he's an nhl player i think they're burning through his games at this point yeah you know i think if you were undecided on him you maybe sit him one sit him two put someone else in but they're just putting him in every game i think he's gonna stay I think that's all signs are pointing to him staying because if they burn through nine games and send him down, I will question their thinking on that. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. I think if they get to nine, there's no way they're sending him down at that point. If anything, they might let him go play world juniors if he's part of that, but I don't think um, that's happening either. Even that's what I was going to say. I was literally going to say like, who knows where the team is going to be by December and whether that's even going to be something that they want to, that they want to try to do. Um, I, I agree with you. I think he's, he's such an offensively minded, uh, creative player that, um, it's, it's going to take him some time to figure out how to get the other people on the ice on the same page as him, you know, the comparison and. I hate doing this. He's a totally different player, but I keep going back to the idea of how Kale McCarr plays. I can't help it. I can't help it because you know, they're, they're... It's funny. I actually... I'm starting to see more of Bowen Byram mm. in in Clark than I am McCarr. 
but that's just because Makar is just a different level of animal. Yeah, I you know you know who else might be a good comparison, like Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's also just oh, another one of these like shifty kind of guys who, when he's got the puck, the rest of the guys on the ice go, okay, it's I have to put myself in a position to earn this puck from from Makar or Hughes. You know what I mean? Like it's that level of trust that, okay, the offense is going to come from this guy. The play is going to generate from this guy, and it's my job to adjust. I think right now he's playing with some guys who still either A, don't trust him to that level, or he's doing some things that throw the other guys off to make them feel like he's not going to be able to pull it off. Examples like the ones that you gave. And so I, I can't honestly tell you that I've seen him be terrible in the no. defensive zone. I haven't seen him be like egregiously burned or or make like a a true rookie boneheaded mistake or anything like that. Um, certainly those things are going to come in time, the spacing, the, you know, the back checking, backward skating, et cetera. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like, I just don't see them sending him back down at this no. point. I think his game is, again, he's such a unique player. When you're watching him with the puck and I caught myself doing this, I'm just like, almost want to yell to the screen like have more urgency like Mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. in the nhl this is an nhl game these points matter (laughs) and he's just so casual and it's because he's so good and and i realize that too but i feel like the moment is not yet big for him i'm Mm -hmm. sure mentally he's excited to be in the nhl it's dream come true all those other things he probably said in every post game but he is not playing like the league has changed you know what mm-hmm. i mean he's still playing like i can do the same shit i do in junior i could go at my pace and when i say urgency i mean like moving the puck up quick mm-hmm. you know getting it to the right guy because defenders are coming or yeah making, making sure he doesn't disrupt the flow of the breakout yeah and i think a lot of that is like he's so used to being the focus of attention he knows that like if he's bringing the puck up these guys are going to come to him and he he feels like he's going to open up the ice just by the way he skates. And the urgency is a good thing that you bring up because I don't think he realizes how quickly as of yet the gaps close on those passes or those plays, you know, like he's got, he's got half as much time as he does before to make a pass. And so he looks it off, like he's going to make the pass or he's going to make that move. And then all of a sudden the window closes and he hasn't made the pass. So now he's got to read and react and do something different. So he's not creating turnovers. He's, he's not trying to force a pass necessarily, but then he's stuck holding the puck for longer than he probably wants to have it. And certainly longer than, than the coaching staff wants him to have it at this point, I think. Yeah. And same thing in the offensive zone. He's looking for perfect backdoor tap right. right. He has opportunities to fire. I think he's getting better at that. Like I've noticed him have a more, more of a shot mentality the last few games. Mm-hmm. He's, he's still doing it and it's... yeah you're gonna have you're gonna have some plays that are gonna end up like that fiala preseason goal where you're gonna be like oh my god what an amazing pass and then you're gonna have some plays where you're just like buddy you gotta shoot <laughs> you know what at some point you have to shoot because i forget exactly which game it was he tried it was with deno right he yes. tried to make that pass with deno and it was like deno was just waiting for a shot so he could put the rebound in and he got this pass that he was so far in he just he was like yeah he almost was broke like his almost ankle under the goal yeah, yeah. 
I think the goalie ended up falling on him. Or... Yeah, it was it was really strange, and it's it's that kind of stuff, you know. Like if he takes a shot there, there's likely going to be a rebound, and Deneau's going to do what Deneau does, which is a tough thing for me to say. Try saying that three times fast, but <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna put that puck in from like two feet away from the goal line because that's what he's there for to do. He's waiting for the rebound, and instead he gets this pass, and he's just like what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Right. It's a great looking pass, except it goes nowhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he stays up, I think, and I'm not at all worried about him. He just totally looks in place right now. The coaching staff seems to consistently say that he's good enough to be in the lineup, obviously, by putting him in the lineup. But a couple of times, McClellan mentioned how he was the top three best defenseman of that particular game. And he said it a couple of times. So yes, excited, man. I think uh, it's the right move. I'm proud of the Kings. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're throwing him in. They recognize he's helping the team. He's certainly not hurting. So here's to yeah, it is full, interesting. full brand Clark rookie season makes me happy. Yeah, it, it certainly is interesting, right? Like we were, we were talking about this before in the last episode that, when was the last time they did it? When was the last time they fully committed to a rookie like this? And uh, and to their credit, I think they were ready to do that. The Byfield situation was very unique with COVID and whatnot, but this is this is a situation where they don't necessarily they don't need him for a roster spot. It's not like there isn't anyone else who could play that roster spot, right? Like you're you're scratching Walker and and Edler's getting hurt, and you got Mulver. Like you've got options. It's not like with we literally only have these seven defensemen in the pipeline who are NHL ready. Right. It's not You're like sending... that. It's not like that Moeller, Simmons, Dowdy season yeah. where like we yeah. need bodies at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're literally sending guys with NHL experience and Bjornfoot and Spence down NHL playoff experience with Spence. You're sending him down and telling him like, Hey, we're going to play this guy because I got nowhere else to put him, you know? So that's, that's a that's a ballsy move. I and so I agree with you. That's you got to commend them for for committing to something like that. But we'll see. I mean, I I I think at this point he's going to stay. But <laughs> weird yeah, things have happened, yeah. man. Let's not, you know. Next episode, break we'll our you arm. Know. Yeah, adding the kings on the back just yet. Yeah, yeah. All right, next two weeks outlook. Let's oh, let's, good. let's play a little let's, game here. Oh, good. We'll have uh, kings are coming home. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be tonight. Tampa Bay Lightning, um, Winnipeg, Toronto, three-game homestand. Then the Kings go on the road. There's, they'll start with St. Louis. They'll have a back-to-back St. Louis-Dallas. Chicago, back at home for Florida. And that'll make it two weeks. So yep. what do you think, Man, that's buddy? A, that's a rough stretch. That Florida sure is. game is frightening. Dallas, like you mentioned. Dallas is 30. good. Man. Jake Ottinger is so dialed in right now. Yeah. Dude, Pavelski is <laughs> Yeah, he's just gonna, you know. He's just gonna put up another sixty five point season at least. Yeah. Defying all all odds. Um Toronto, man, that's a rough stretch. It is. Um like, I think Winnipeg is in shambles. Even though they, I think yeah. they, they smoked St. Louis today. So if I were to look at the schedule, the two games that jump out at me is like, okay, these are ones that I would expect them to win. 
and I realize this is always dangerous to do, but uh, I feel like Winnipeg and Chicago are the two obvious ones that stand out as like weaker than the other other yeah, games. Would you not agree? Yeah, those are that's a layup kind of prediction. No offense. I would no, no, say, I'm, I would, no, no, I'm starting. I'm, I'm just thing. starting with those. I'm just starting with those. So I feel like that's that's two cool. dubs there. I feel like they're going to win one of St. Louis and Dallas versus Dallas. I don't think they're going to lose both of those back to backs. I think they're you know they're they've been a very good back to back team. Uh, so I feel like they're going to win one of those two, and I think they're going to go three and four. Is that what it would be? Is it seven games? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. I think they're going to go three and four. Okay. In the next two weeks. But what I'm hoping for, despite that record, is some semblance of, you know, this was a palatable loss. It was like a, we didn't get blown out five goals against in Toronto. Something like that. Like, if you're going to lose, lose 2-1. Give me something here to feel like you tried, but you just didn't didn't get it. Play some what I consider prototypical Kings hockey. But I think three and four, if I'm being honest. I think they could beat one of Toronto or Tampa. But it all mm-hmm. depends on if they can play the game they're trying to play. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I think if they're playing their game, they could – look, every game is winnable in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have if you get the good goaltending, and that's a big part of it. How are we going to get the goaltending in this stretch and moving forward? I think I trust Jonathan Quick to bounce back. He's very hard on himself. Don't quite have it with Cal right now, that same trust, mm-hmm. but I am hopeful because I am a fan. Yeah, I think four and three is possible, but, but you know, it's tough. It's a tough stretch. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Like I said, I think these are the tougher games, and then – the softer stuff comes a little bit later in the year. Um, cool. Any anything else we should discuss before our, before we uh, put a bow on this bad boy? Yeah. Um, not really. I, I I can't. I think around the league, like who's a surprise? You could we we already talked about Philly and stuff, and yeah, I, I'm kind of stunned that. I expected Minnesota to take a step back. I thought St. Louis would be better than them in our predictions, but even I'm surprised at this this record for them. I, I suspect they'll they'll improve. Yeah, Vancouver is um, Vancouver. Yeah, the good that's great for the Kings. They Vancouver just lost to Carolina, by the way. I know, I know. Again, so yep. Good for me. I had money on Carolina today. That's good. <laughs> well um, done. Well done. Yeah, I mean that's it. Um, I'm looking forward to see how how the Kings kind of right the ship in terms of their structure. That's the most yeah. important thing they could do right now. And past that, I'm glad hockey's back. I'm glad we're having these conversations. Enjoying the Twitter interaction. Always. Enjoying the support for the Kings going purple and gold full-time on that tweet. Damn right. Thank, thank you all. The, the public knows, even if the Kings brain trust doesn't. All right. Episode 91. It should be a straightforward one for you. I mean, I know Grunstrom. That's the one. Cool. That's it. These 90 numbers, they, they uh, limited, limited in terms of uh, people who've played. Um, and then the next one, well, <laughs> we've already, you know, 
We, he, we jumped again a bit. But... Yeah, but well, he has two weeks to, <laughs> to, get right. it, to, to put together a nice stretch so we can make it a second Brand Clark episode next week. That's there, right. There is a couple of number 92s, I think, in King's history. He's the only one. That can't be correct. It is, my friend. It is not. Rick Tockett wore number 92. For well, me. yes, but I, I think that was like a was like a one-time event kind of thing. I don't know. I'll, I I know that whole thing came up. Yes. Oh, did but, it? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, yes, fine. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, who's the greatest 91 in NHL history? Oh, it's Sergei Fedorov? If it's, if it's not Sergei, I don't know who is. <laughs> Which Goring was number 91, but... Yeah, man. For the come Islanders, on. but That's, yeah. I mean, you could... Uh, Alexander Daig. Oh. <laughs> Tarasenko. That's a... I mean, I feel yeah, like these are. Off. It's better off. Yeah, there can't be anyone better in my mind. Uh, oh, Tavares. Nope. Yep. Sorry, buddy. It's no, no. I, I don't mean he's better than Fedorov. I'm just Not, thinking no, of other I was, I was apologizing to Tavares. Oh. <laughs> good, good number though. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of talent at that number. Beautiful number. Looks right. Yeah. It does look right. It does look right. I agree. All right. Uh, well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Sorry, this episode is a little bit deeper into the season, but I think it's it's good to have that kind of context. I think if we had done this middle of last week, we would have been like, "Look at this terror they're on. This road. Watch out, Pittsburgh. Here we come." No. Yep. Reality is often disappointing. Indeed it is. Indeed. But that's okay. I'm I'm as disappointing perhaps as this start is, like I said, it's better than last year. I I'd like to see them keep playing five hundred ish or above hockey. I have full faith that by December some stuff will settle down. Hopefully sooner than that, with the goaltending. You can't keep giving up three plus goals. In fact, they've only given up three goals in one game every other game they've given up four or more which is like a ridiculous yes stat <laughs> so it's not good no it's not great and when it's when you're letting up four goals a game it's not just the goaltending it's not just the defense like something fundamentally needs to get tuned up so anyway yeah, we'll clean it up we'll clean it up boys yeah let's go we'll clean it up all right here we go all right guys until next time thank you for joining us like subscribe uh, keep the Twitter comments coming. We enjoy all the interaction. We appreciate all the new followers we're getting. Uh, the March to March to 750 should be completed soon. 800 by the end of the season. Until next time, go Kings go. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.